Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. We've had a few weeks off now just because of a little bit of personal news. I have been on paternity leave um, for, what, two, three weeks, Dan? So the podcast had to pause while I adjusted Mm -hmm. to family life. But we're back and we're back with another great episode as we speak to one of the newest members of well, British Swimming Elite Squad, as Leah Crisp has been selected to swim at the World Championships in the 10K Open Water. Yeah, I mean, as we've always said at Propulsion Swimming, we don't just focus on one aspect of swimming, but all aspects of it, including master swimming, para swimming, uh, open water. And for this episode, we've got Leah on, who's made that transition from the pool to open water. So it's going to be great to get to know the reasoning behind that decision and what differences it's made for her. Yes, so let's have a quick listen of what's to come on this week's show. It was quite tough because I saw, I think it was like 9.16 to make the final or something, which is obviously Mm. not competitive in the slightest um, for that kind of level. So it was quite frustrating in knowing that you could have gone and been in an international final and gained the experience. Mm. Yeah, I'd say in my first couple of years here, I sat kind of like mid-50s, maybe 60s. Um, Mm. So not crazy weeks. And then this year in November, we built up to 70s. And at first, I really struggled with that because it'd been so long since I'd done kind of like big mileage stuff. And then um, throughout the rest of the year, I managed to bring that up to 90s. Are you, are you enjoying this switch going from your 60Ks up to 90, maybe even reach 100 by the time, let's say, Paris comes around or something? Are you, have, you, have you enjoyed it? I have in the way I can see the results each week. Okay. Um, I, like I can see a real improvement in say like the speed I'm able to hold with like an aerobic heart rate and things um so I think I'm enjoying the sense I feel like I gain a lot from it so Dan like I said in the the brief introduction we've had a few weeks off now and for those who are interested in the outro of this podcast we will touch upon a little bit about why we've been quiet um because there have been stuff going on behind the scenes as well not necessarily in the podcast sphere but on this week's show we are welcoming leah crisp so i'm gonna just jump straight into this episode and let her introduce herself to you all so please welcome onto this week's podcast bath performance center swimmer leah crisp so welcome on to this week's podcast leah crisp now leah for some of our listeners you may not be a household name yet within the british swimming squad so why don't you introduce yourself to everyone who's listening yeah um i'm currently swimming at bath national center or bath performance center um i've just qualified this year for my first world championships in the 10k marathon swimming uh, just made the transition from pool into open water. Um, previously at junior level, I've been to a couple of European juniors and got a few medals at um, Commonwealth Youth Games in the pool. Um, and then, yes, I've just transitioned now over to senior and in open water. Yes, yeah, so the whole point of this podcast is we're, we're going to go through essentially the transition from pool to open water, why it's happened, and maybe touch upon is the pool still there in your future? It might well be. Um, but let's first start off with your journey through swimming. Where did it all start for you, and how did you get to the Bath Performance Center? I'm glad you're, we're not the only <laughs> ones who slip up on the, the rebranding. Yeah. Um, well, it kind of all started when I was you know, young, just doing lessons, and then the teacher kind of picked out to my parents, oh, she's quite talented, you know, maybe try out for kind of a local group. And they had little feeders near where I was in Wakefield that kind of fed into City of Leeds Swim Club. So I joined one of those and then kind of got scouted from there and joined the club when I was about eight years old. 
um, then kind of moved up through the lead system into the top squad and uh, swam there until I was 18, till COVID lockdown. Um, mm. so there, there for a lot of years, went to a couple of European juniors and stuff. Um, yeah, and then from there I chose to come to Bath Performance Centre. I also wanted to go to Bath Uni to further my studies, um, which is kind of one of the main one of the main factors that led to me moving here. I kind of obviously knew they had a great setup and it'd be great to be a part of the performance centre and then the education kind of nicely tied into that. And it's a lovely city, so um, that's kind of why I chose to move down here. And that's where I've been since the end of COVID. Do you know, you, the City of Leeds Swimming Club is a mighty fine swimming club. And amazingly, we've never really touched upon it on this podcast mm. in 160-odd episodes now. So tell us a little bit more about the setup that goes on over in Leeds, because there's a lot of good swimmers that come out of there. Yeah, it is. It's a great setup. Um, it's kind of, you know, normal club setup with a lot of different kind of levels i think it's changed a little bit since i was there because it used to be kind of c group e group d groups i think it's now like stage eight and things like that mm. um so they've got a nice system there you kind of just move up through the squads um and it's great team atmosphere like every time you go to nationals you travel as a team and you stay as a team which i think is a bit different to other clubs but that's what i really liked about it um mm. so you kind of built a real good team atmosphere of your coaches and teammates so from when i was 11 till i was 18 every single nationals you know summer winter british champs i traveled with the team stayed with the team um and had you know it was really good time great memories um and really enjoyed it there would you say has been plain sailing all the way through your career to this point no definitely not plain sailing um i'd say my junior career was was pretty plain sailing i had a minor knee injury but i kind of sorted that over a summer and then was fine once it got to kind of October time. Um, so I've never had anything too um, difficult to deal with until after lockdown. I did find it hard kind of moving programs like before and after lockdown, because obviously it was kind of like you were coming out of, you know, mo the most time you've ever had off swimming and mm. into a completely new environment. And that took quite a while for me to get settled into. And then at the end of my first year at Bath, I quite badly broke and dislocated my elbow um, in May. So that was then like my first proper injury that actually really affected my swimming. Uh, so that took quite a while to fully come back from. Like even now, I can't fully extend my, my elbow compared to my other one. And it's still like a little bit weak in extension. Um, and there's not kind of anything I can really do about it. Um, so that was kind of one of the main factors um but i feel like i've really settled into it now and kind of how, where i want to be how did you break your elbow there um well i was just i was trying to reach a pull-up bar because i'm not that <laughs> gifted oh, and wow. i fell backwards and then landed on my arm like oh, locked wow. out yeah not great that sounds horrible no, and you, it's, yeah. you're still having issues with it now like, to the point where you can't fully extend so is, is it affected your technique in some sort of way um, not, not particularly, no. I've got quite lucky and it healed really well. It's just I have quite a lot of hyperextension. So I now just have normal extension instead of hyperextension in one elbow. But to me, because I'm so used to hyperextension, it feels a little yeah. bit weird. Yeah. So 
actually coming out of the COVID years, we spoke to a lot of swimmers who were doing the same sort of transition period of going from club setup to, okay, now's the time we've got to jump to a senior setup. Mm. Um, I think it was like, if I think back to Mehdi Harrison, a lot of these swimmers we spoke to were on the sprinting side of things, whereas yeah. you're very much on the distance side. So why was that? So for for those guys, it was they found the COVID years fairly comfortable because yeah. they didn't need the massive training blocks and meters behind them. Mm-hmm. How hard was it for someone who targets the eight, the 15 and now the 10 K to almost see your times progress? Was it a fair few years of struggle? Yeah, I've only actually this season done my first PBs. My, my last since 2019, I hadn't improved until uh, end of 22 and start of 23. So it took quite a lot of years to kind of really get back to even being on my best times. Um, so yeah, I I think I think obviously part of it was with injuring my elbow. I didn't kind of mentally give myself enough credit for that. I kind of was really harsh on myself that I wasn't PBing and I was kind of forgetting I'd gone through like a really bad injury. But it's just because it fell kind of over summer. I almost just class it's like a long summer break when obviously it wasn't like it's very very different kind of going through rehab mm. than just having a summer break um so it has taken me a bit longer and also in um the commonwealth games year i tried to put my focus a bit more on kind of like the 400 and 800 as they were kind of you know best chance of making commonwealth games but i don't think in doing so that kind of really worked for me the style of training we were doing to focus for that. But now that I'm focusing more on the 10, we've found something that really works for me um, and has brought me on a lot really quickly. Mm. I mean, you had a lot of success in Nepal, especially since your time at Bath, of course, and winning multiple British championships. Um, Were you happy with your progress in Nepal? You've just said that you didn't PB for a while, but overall, were you quite content with how you were doing? Um... I wasn't for a couple of years. I think I really just wanted to kind of get a PB and it's a bit frustrating when, you know, you're kind of doing all the work, you're not really seeing the results Result, yet. Because yeah. yeah. um, I, I was obviously still happy with like where I was placing and kind of the medals I was getting, but I think it's a bit frustrating still that I just wasn't kind of doing the times I wanted to, especially when I missed the Commonwealth squad. Because um, yeah. I, I knew that was very much within reach for me. So then to kind of not perform as I wanted and missed out on that was really frustrating. Yeah, I think looking back, me and Dan reviewed the Commonwealth Games and it it felt like a missed opportunity to take distant swimmers on Mm. the part of the home nations because I think think especially the women's 800, Mm. you saw that it was just Australians in the water and Mm. there there wasn't any representation. So was that tough for you to miss out on what was... like? It felt like an open door, a chance for swimmers like yourself to get that sort of level of experience it was quite tough because i saw i think it was like nine sixteen to make the final or something which is obviously mm. not competitive in the slightest um for that kind of level so it was quite frustrating in knowing that you could have gone and been in an international final and gained the experience mm. but at the same time like i knew i didn't hit the qualification time that was set which was very much within reach i just had didn't move it on enough to make it so it was frustrating but you know kind of knowing it was within reach but yeah would you say that was probably the reason for the transition to open water because that was classed as let's say a disappointment and then you felt as though you had to have a change almost like a change in discipline completely 
Um, it was definitely one of the reasons, yeah. But I had done open water before when I was younger. I'd been to a World Juniors and a European Juniors back when I was kind of like 14-ish. And I kind of like dipped in and out of it a little bit. But I think after that, I kind of realised like it is probably where my strengths lie. And I kind of know from the way I train that really that discipline would be what suits me as a swimmer. So I thought, you know, maybe it is time to kind of really get stuck in with it and see what we can do. When you say that's where your strengths lie, what what are those strengths that are suited more to open water than pool swimming? I'd say mainly just endurance. Like, I find I, I just don't really... I can just kind of just keep swimming, really. <laughs> Um, I don't have a, I don't have a lot of speed. I know that, and so we were kind of trying to improve my speed to improve my pool swimming, but it just wasn't. No matter how much work we did on it, I didn't really get any faster. It's kind of like right. I, I obviously don't particularly have the speed to be a four and eight hundred swimmer, but I, I have the kind of makeup to be able to do a ten k and enough speed to still do well in ten k. I was going to say, like the ten k open water, pretty much you're staying with the entire pack for the la- until the last, I don't know, two hundred meters, and then it just becomes a massive squabble until the end. And so I imagine there's still a little bit of sprint training that needs to go into it, but I imagine most of it is all endurance. So is the meterage now gone through the roof compared to what you used to be able to do? Yeah, yeah. I'd say in my first couple of years here, I sat kind of like mid fifties, maybe sixties. Um, mm. So not crazy weeks. And then this year in November, we built up to 70s. And at first, I really struggled with that because it'd been so long since I'd done kind of like big mileage stuff. And then um, throughout the rest of the year, I managed to bring that up to 90s. And now I'm now able to do that a lot better than I was able to do 70 in November. So it's been nice to see the progress as I've kind of gotten used to it and now able to train at those volumes. Oh, 90k a week is that's tough that's really tough what is it um what's the makeup of that 90k week then because it's not just or is it just plowing up and down and getting the meters in is there Um, some structure to the sessions there there is a lot of aerobic like um a2 swimming um but we also i have a few sessions that kind of like descend to threshold to kind of touch at that pace so like tonight i had a 9k session but we had some 50s with speed bursts in there just to kind of you know keep in touch with that gear change um mm. sometimes i do an 11k session where like 10k was made up as, as almost like a um like a simulation race so okay. we did one of those where um the main set was 9.4k i think it was six sixteen hundreds. so we did like a um a spin the wheel thing so i wouldn't know what it was as until we kind of did that, so you know, it's kind of like adapting to changing scenarios. So it'd be things like when Jamie blows the whistle, I'd have to do 50 max for for okay. a season and the rest of it aerobic. So that's kind of how we would mix it up. Like you can't do a lot of intensity because it depletes you too much to do the mileage. But you can, but we make sure to throw in some threshold, a bit of speed and things like that, you know, to keep in touch with it. It sounds like you're just... Um... It sounds like it's more to keep you mentally switched on, like you're not losing focus as well. Well, there was definite, definitely part of open water is being men- aware of what's going on around you. Mm. So that's why we kind of like to throw those things. So it's when you're under fatigue, that you're still recognising what's happening and still able to make quick decisions and quick gear changes under that um, like physical stress and pressure. 
Mm. Have you have you had to do more? Rehab's not quite the right word, but you know, more resistance bands for the shoulders because I assume there's a lot more uh, pressure going through the shoulders because the amount of times you're doing strokes per session. So have you had to do more of that? Well, we ha- we changed my gym program, so we kind of stripped down the gym to now I'm just on one session a week, and it's mainly focused on shoulder maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the kind of work we do, and then we do have pre pool where we focus on um, a-, a lot of mobility and things like that. So it's just really just you know keeping an eye on it, and keeping in check. But so far, shoulders have coped fine. Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> if if I'm thinking off the top of my head now, so the the main kind of in my eyes, the main distance squad in this country is at the Loughborough University setup, where you've got Hector, Toby Robinson, um, you've got all the the Whiffin brothers as well, Felix. They do big meters now over in Bath. I'm struggling to think off the top of my head who are your training partners when you're going through the nine 10 K sessions. So are you doing it alone or is there people there with you? I don't really have people for like the nines, but um, I often have Luke Turley for uh, some of the like kind of eight Ks. Um, or like this morning, him and Kieran Bird were in with me for eight K of the session. And I did the last K by myself. Uh, so sometimes I have, sometimes I have those guys, they kind of drop in and out a little bit, which is nice when mm. they do. And this cycle, we're trying to keep um, like one session a week where I like a higher intensity session where I train with the whole group so I can get a bit of like head to head work in. So it's not just me by myself all the time. Yeah, because I can imagine that could get quite lonely just in the corner plodding up and down a lane. Well, what, yeah. what's, what's, what's your mentality like when, let's say, Luke and Kieran come in and then they leave and you've still got another K to go? How, what, in your mind, how are you processing that? I find that's not too bad because I'm like, well, I've already done eight and there's only one left. So it's like, you guys are so close to the end that you can, you can kind of get, get yourself through it in the way that you're like, you know, done most of the work, just got a little bit left, then we're done. Is there any plans for like swimmers? Like I know Amber Keegan's also selected this summer. Is there any plans to join up your training together a little bit or have training partners in the future? Um, Not currently. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of restricted with studies. I know Amber is with PhD as well. So then you're kind of a little bit restricted in times that you can be away from where you're based, really. Um, so not not currently, but there may be um, room to put things like that in place. Mm. Are, you, are you enjoying this switch going from your 60Ks up to 90, maybe even reach 100 by the time, let's say, Paris comes around or something? Are you, have, you, have you enjoyed it? I have in the way I can see the results each week okay. um like like i can see a real improvement in say like the speed i'm able to hold with like an aerobic heart rate and things um so i think i'm enjoying the sense i feel like i gain a lot from it um okay. and, and also like you know now i've got worlds i've got something to work for um mm. you know so that kind of you quite enjoy it in the way that you can kind of see something there that you really want to excel at yeah, if we talk about your progress then, if you all you have to do is look at how the open water circuit has started so far f- for you this year with, I think it's just your second attempt at the World Cup. You came, what, 13th in, is it, oh, I can never Setubal. pronounce this right, it's Sabutu. I think I it's Setubal, I think. Setubal, I can never pronounce it. <laughs> <that. laughs> uh, well, you placed 13th in Setubal in Portugal, which... It's actually a very historic venue and a tough swim as well, looking at the conditions. Yeah. Did that result surprise you at all? 
Um, I kind of knew I had it in me from like the training and work I'd done. I just knew I needed to kind of get a bit more practice and refine tactics a bit and was about learning. Um, I was quite surprised because it was so so wavy and I kind of thought, oh, I've, I'm still quite new to open what I've never experienced this kind of race before. Um, so I kind of was a bit like, especially kind of around the halfway mark, I was a bit like, oh, I kind of, you know, I just want to finish this now for the experience. Um, I'm not sure if I can, you know, what placing I can get out of this race. Um, but I just managed to really kick on in the last two laps and sit with the pace of the other girls. Um, I'd say I was really happy with that race in that I was only five seconds off top 10. So mm-hmm. I kind of managed to really kind of stick with those lead girls and I'd gone from say in Sardinia I think I was like two minutes or more behind the winner and there I was only 39 seconds and obviously there's only like a week between them so like I'd changed I'd done loads of training and gained a lot I just had learned more about the sport so I think that I thought that was really positive and how just from one week to another by just experiencing what it's like to open water you can make big progress. Yeah, I mean, we've previously sp- previously spoken to both Hexa and Toby, who, like you, were and still are top pool swimmers. Do you reckon that actually helps having that background in a pool heading into open water? Yeah, we've looked at um, some of the stats and like my my two hundred and four hundred especially are right up there with the girls in the top ten. Um, I I do have work to do in my eight and fifteen, so I still want to kind of stay in touch with that. But I think naturally through the increased training I'm doing now hoping that those events will kind of move themselves on if I just kind of drop in and race them every now and again it's definitely important to kind of keep in touch with that pool speed um and pool swimming especially especially for confidence as well if you can kind of go in knowing you're one of the top girls in an eight or fifteen hundred you really know that you can stick with them then how much are you getting from Hector and Toby in terms of advice for tactics? Because they have been on the open water circuit for a little while now. Yeah, quite a lot. They're really um they're really easy to talk to and um in a few quite a few of my races I just went and just asked advice like Hector can in Sechabal, I was like, Oh, what would you recommend for swimming when it's really wavy and choppy like that? He kinda of said, you know, you might want to drop the legs a bit because they can disrupt rhythm. Um, and things and they're just really useful for little bits of advice like that for things you've not experienced before and um, so it's nice to have the kind of senior athletes on the teams with you that have experienced a lot and can help you there have you um sought advice from the swimmers that have already done it before you your cassie passons or your carry on pains the ones who've actually gone on to win olympic medals in open water have, they, have you reached out to them or them to you uh, not yet but that's something um me and Jamie have kind of briefly um, spoken about a possibility moving forwards. Is kind of seeing if we get like a kind of mentor kind of relationship with them uh, and get some advice and help. So you've qualified for the world champs this summer. What is the goal when you go to Japan? What's the aim for you? Uh, I mean, aim, I guess, is just to finish as high as possible and to just kind of, you know, stick with the leaders and see what we can do. Um, I know definitely there's now the selection policy out to qualify for Doha World Champs, which is the selection race for Paris. Um, so obviously in um, Japan, I'd ideally I'd like to be looking to qualify for Doha there as well. So I can kind of get that um, ticked off and done and kind of put all my focus there. 
What was your immediate reaction to receiving the news that you actually qualified for World Champs? Um, yeah, I was really happy, um, really grateful. Um, yeah, just really looking forward to it. I think it's such a great opportunity. I've always wanted to travel to Japan as well, um, so really excited for that. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, I was really, really happy. Like a lot of years of work, you know, it feels like I've had a lot of years of work go into this. So yeah, I was really happy with that. Can I touch upon you having to qualify in Doha to go to Paris? Because we've spoken about it on this podcast that as a tr- when you look at it at training cycles, mm. the Doha World Champ sits in possibly like the worst place imaginable for British swimmers <laughs> because you're going to have to slightly taper to go to that World Champs and swim well to qualify. Mm. And then you've got to get back up again for trials. So... How does it work for you in terms of open water? Are you solely focusing on Doha as being your shot to Paris and then kind of writing off champs? Or do you think you can fit in training cycles around the pool qualifying as well? I think definitely um, focus would be in Doha and qualifying the open water. The times for the 8 and 15, the pool that will probably come out, um, that, that will be set, will probably be a little bit out of reach for me um over the next couple of years so really open water is kind of my big opportunity uh so just want to kind of embrace that and put all my focus in there how far do you reckon you could go in open water seeing as you've just said that you've gone from let's say two minutes off the top 10 i think you said no or that now you're down to like 39 seconds off the progression seems to be quite good so how far do you think you can go um well obviously i'd love to qualify for paris um and then hopefully start kind of finishing a you know, top 10 and meddling at kind of world cups and kind of building up from there and um, that's the ideal aim uh but obviously just kind of when i finish uni next year um it will also kind of depend financially if i continue swimming or not um so just kind of have to go from there and see but you know ideally you know the the main goal is to really start meddling on the world stage and to really become one of the main open water swimmers so you've clearly got this this buzz for open water swimming swimming and but if there are any young swimmers particularly maybe distance swimmers who are looking to up their meterage and try a distance like 10k what sort of advice would you give to them as to why you love it so much why is it so good um well i'd say first maybe don't jump straight in with the 10 there's there's other races out there kind of like five and 7.5 it kind of you know you can go and get a feel for it and see if that's really what you want to do i i really enjoy kind of being outdoors i find it it's really it's just you get to travel some amazing places and um you know you get to swim in some amazing places as well and it is really enjoyable and it's just really nice feeling kind of you know just swimming out in the seas but it's nice and crystal clear you can see all the fish and things like it's really lovely experience and it's also a really nice team atmosphere that we have because it's quite a small team um so yeah i'd say if you're interested you know kind of find some like there's the great north swim and things like that you can try and just kind of try get, get involved and see what you think and give it a go I bet it's amazing at this when it's weather like this at the moment, you know, 30 degrees outside. Ah, amazing. Lovely. (laughs) Yeah, there's a nice um, place near me. I went for the first time last week uh, to start building in some open water training into um, my weekly program. But yeah, it's lovely when the sun's out and you kind of just 
having a nice little swim session. <laughs> There's not enough opportunities in this country to swim outdoors. No, it's a shame. Yeah, it's I know that, that's the only issue with the UK is it is quite a short open water season that we have. Mm. So you kind of have to, um, you know, take these opportunities where you can really. Yeah, Would absolutely. you ever consider going to, because Hexa went off to France, would that be something in your sort of pipeline of thinking as well? Um, not particularly. I'm quite happy where I am at the moment. Oh, yeah. the, the meters and training sessions that Hector was doing over in France sounds horrible. Mm. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrendous. Um, Leah, it's been great chatting to you on this week's podcast. We do usually finish with some quick fire questions so that our guests, so that our listeners can get to know our guests a little bit better. So yeah. to kick things off, what is your favorite event in swimming? Um, I'd say to swim 400 free and to watch 200 free. Uh, who is your swimming idol? Um, I'd probably say Katie Ledecky. Nice, nice. Uh, what's your proudest moment in swimming so far? Uh, so far making world champs this year. What's the hardest set you've ever done in training? Oh, that is a tough one. Let's say the six sixteen hundreds were up there, or even four fifteen hundreds descent to kind of best average. That was pretty tough. Yeah, it's not easy. That's a yeah. pretty horrible one. <laughs> um, and final question: It gets to know you a little bit away from the swimming pool. If you've gone on a road trip, there's three spaces in the car. You could take friends, family, celebrity, anyone you want. Who would you take with you? Um. Oh, that is a that is a really tough one. I'd probably say my um my one year old nephew. Um, because I've not not spent much time with him yet, so he'd definitely be in the car. Um, my boyfriend and ooh, that's tough. Cause I want to say both parents. Um, maybe maybe my um my brother to look after my nephew, but <laughs> spend a bit of time. <laughs> <laughs> So you don't have to do the parenting bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice fun, trying. Yeah. Family car. Yeah, exactly. Family car. I like it. Well, Leah, best of luck this summer out in Japan. And thank you for giving up some time this evening to speak to us. And uh, yeah, I love open water and everyone should hopefully give it a go as well. Whether you're a sprinter, a distance swimmer, just get out in the lake this summer. Be safe, mm. but um, enjoy what is a very, it's a different aspect of the sport of swimming, but one of the mm. most enjoyable aspects I've found. Yeah, it is really enjoyable and quite relaxing as well, especially like when the sun's out. It's yeah, it's a really nice atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you very much for coming on and telling us your story. And the transition has been fascinating, and hopefully there'll be more people doing that transition because uh, I think you've sold it quite well, to be fair. So yes, and good luck, good luck in Japan as well, of course. Thank you. So Dan, great to speak to the newest member of British Swimming. Um, obviously the whole world championships team in the pool was selected a long time ago but three open water swimmers have now been added to the squad in japan in hector pardo amber keegan and leah crisp now we've spoken to both amber and hector before they've got fascinating journeys in the pool and out of the pool and leah is certainly one to keep an eye on this summer as she has, she's really only just touching the surface of what's possible in open water for her. You get that feeling with the transition that's going on. 
Yeah, I mean, we spoke a lot about the transition, and actually, we didn't talk too much about her results at the Open Water World Series, where she has done two attempts now. If I remember correctly, she came 20th on her first attempt in I Sardinia. Think so. I think it's something like that. And then she came 13th in, in Portugal, with a place I now can't pronounce again, because we had troubles with that <laughs> during the podcast as well. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the progression she's made has been outstanding, to be honest with you. And I do wonder, you, t- you take a look at Hector, you take a look at Toby, and they've all got background from the pool swimming. Take a look at Paltrinari and Wellbrook and people like that. And they're very good at the pool swimming, the 1500. And they're now able to transition that to 10k open water, and they are the top of the the top of the world. So it, it does was, make you think if you know more people will sooner or later take that jump. It was something that Leah was saying in that podcast is to be a good open water swimmer these days is you have to be world class in the pool as well. Mm. So she looks and she says, look, I've got four and a 200 meters freestyle, which rivals a lot of these girls in the open water. My eight and the 15 still need work. So it's not like she's completely abandoning the work in the pool to do open Mm. water swimming. But from speaking to her for a half hour, it very much sounds like open water is the future for her. And for me, when you look at, and this is no knock on what British swimming do, the selection criteria to go for a Worlds, for maybe even a Europeans, for Olympics next year, to go as an 8 or a 1500 meters freestyle swimmer, especially as a woman, is ridiculously hard because they are based off the fastest swimmer in the world, Katie Ledecky. Mm-hmm. That is the selection times that these women have got to hit. So for Leah to transition and say, look, open water is my best opportunity. I fully understand that, and I, I'd i expect more swimmers to be doing that in the future, actually, as, as long as Katie Ledecky's swimming like Katie Ledecky. Well, I mean, I, I just don't see that world record going anytime soon from Katie's 18 or 15, and so the, the times are always going to be tough to qualify for really every international meet from for the foreseeable future. Unless um, selection criteria changes for British swimming, and they say, look, our girls are good enough now to final. Let's just take them regardless of what time. But well, maybe, maybe not, that's gonna, not the logic, is it? Maybe Leah's going to be a great example where, yes, she's multiple, uh, multiple British champion, but she'd missed out on, let's say, the Commonwealth qualification mm. time. But now she's right in the mix. She's right in the mix of being pretty close to being the top ten swimmer in open water. So. <laughs> It's interesting. Essentially, that's if she comes top ten open water in Paris, that's a final at the Olympics. What it is, yeah. I asked the question from the Commonwealth Games because she didn't get selected. I know she missed a qualifying time, but because the the standard was so low, I think on that Commonwealth final for the eight and the fifteen, the fact that she wasn't selected and missed out on that experience of going onto that international sort of level. That was one of the reasons why she moved across, as well as she's better at the endurance side of things as well. But it's quite interesting that, weirdly, in a weird sort of way, British Swimming actually kind of forced her into the open water scene because they didn't let give her the chance in the pool, if that kind of makes sense. Well, Commonwealth Games to start with was Swim England, so I'd, I'd just correct you on that one. Thank you but- very much, yep. At the same time, the Commonwealth, that was my biggest bug get bear with the Commonwealth Games last mm. year. The distance events, there were a chance to take two English, All two sorts. Brits, two Welsh, yeah. whoever, and give them this experience because it, I don't even know if the final was filled. I, I, like, I think I remember back and it was just three Aussies and that was that. Like, what, what the hell was the point in that? You're at yeah. Birmingham, just swim someone. Like, Leah could have finished fourth in an international final. 
That's very yeah. good. Um, add, that, add that to a CV, and then suddenly it looks pretty good, doesn't it? You know. But so, yeah, yeah. Like, like you say, I like I understand the transition to open water, and I think there's there's only better things to come as she learns the tactics, learns to deal with mm. swimming through waves, because that's a different experience altogether than up and down the bath pool. Um, <laughs> We've got a bit no. of a rich history in the open water scene as well. We, do, we were we saying do. Cassie Patton, uh, Hexer, of course, Toby, Kerry Ann Payne. So we've, we've, we've got David Davis. We've got good people that have actually gone on to win Olympic medals. And who knows, Leah could be one of those people to join that list as well. So uh, all the best to her. I think she's going to do quite well. And obviously results have proved me right so far. So it's, yeah. 100%, 100%. And best of luck to her Hector mm. and Amber this summer over in Japan will certainly be yeah, paying definitely. close attention to those results in the sea. So, Dan, before we end this week's podcast, it's kind of, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of people, especially if you've got to this point in a propulsion swimming <laughs> podcast, you're, you're 37, 38, 39 minutes into me and Dan talking. You kind of, you're, you're invested in what's going on at propulsion swimming. I would guess. Please comment Hopefully. below if, if you're not. Um, so let's have a little bit of catch-up of what's gone on over the past month and what's to come up in the past mm. month because we haven't really talked about it much on this podcast. Mm. So to kick things off, before British Champs, we announced that we have signed a partnership with Speedo to essentially cover six British swimming events in this country and more. Um, to help promote British swimming that little bit better. And it's a partnership that I'm very, very proud of and something that, after British Champs, has worked extremely well for both us and Speedo. And we haven't spoken about it on this podcast, but it's a big deal, like being able to get to these meets, which is something that we have always dreamt and wanted to do and give the coverage that we feel that British swimming deserves and needs is a massive moment for us as a channel, as a podcast, as a brand, and uh, long may it continue because I, I feel like it's just the start of what we feel is possible with our cameras. Yeah, I mean, the whole purpose of doing it is to promote the sport in this country, and I feel like we are, again, just scratching the surface. We The, the idea is to promote the sport, inspire others on you know your social medias everyone always scrolls on your instagrams or your facebooks whatever else and so the idea and the idea is to try and make swimming enjoyable to watch and so the idea is to be on poolside whether we're up in a crowd or you know pool deck and actually try and film some of the best swimmers we have in this country to then get the younger swimmers watching them and be inspired and hopefully they then dream to be the next Adam Peaty, Tom Dean, Abbey Wood, all those sorts of swimmers, you know. And so that's what we're trying to do. And the help of Speedo has helped greatly with that. Um, I believe we've done two events so far this year. Mm -hmm. We've got another four to go. And we are loving it at the moment. And I can kind of see based on the comments that we have underneath that a lot of you guys are loving it as well. And so um, thank you very much for being part of this journey. And we will hopefully, like we said, we're scraping the surface. And hopefully we can keep going and going and get the sports, have new eyes on it all the time. Now, I, I'm really grateful that Speedo have taken this massive leap with us. And yeah, so far, the eyes and the numbers that we are seeing behind the scenes and the interest in the content that is coming out of propulsion swimming is, is nuts. It's mm. unbelievable and to a level that I could only, I couldn't even imagine. Let's be honest. No, no, no. Let's, I, let's... I didn't, like, it's, it's ridiculous. 
Um, but that is not the only news over the past few months. We have also launched the Propulsion Swimming Store. So we have very briefly mentioned it on this podcast. Um, I think we did it just after Champs, if I remember correctly. It was just after Champs, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the whole point of this store is not for us to rake in a profit and essentially make loads of money off you guys. What we want to do is for you to be able to show your support for Propulsion Swimming and all of the profits that we get from any items of clothing. We've got swim hats on there. Um, We've got hoodies, t-shirts, poolside gear essentially is then going to be able to send us to meets which we aren't sponsored to go to because it does cost a lot of money to travel around the UK and give up our weekends filming. Um, And that is what that store is aimed to go towards. And also the quality of the stuff is it's not poor. It's taken us two years to decide on half of this stuff. It has, yeah. And actually, that's pretty much all we wear now, isn't it? Just the, the stuff on yeah. the store, that's pretty much all we wear. That's that's my, now my wardrobe. Um, <laughs> I'm quite happy with the store as well, because one of the things that we do sell on there are the flags. And again, it comes under the same banner of trying to promote the sport, whereas we're not just filming the swimmers in the pool, but it's actually the people in the crowd as well. So if we can get more flags on poolside to help pro- promote and support all the swimmers in the clubs, then... Um, it all helps. Now, for our loyal podcast listeners, there is a discount code in the YouTube description of this podcast. So head over and have a look at that if you want some money off all the merchandise that we've got on sale. Yep. And the last or the last bit of news that has happened, if you, you may have caught it in the background then, is I've become a dad, which is a, a weird thing to say on a podcast, but <laughs> I'm sure there's there's plenty of people who are listening who have joined us for like, three years at this point they probably know that both me and dan have got married in that time and mm. that is why we've had the longest time off this podcast since for i cannot remember when have we ever had three weeks off <laughs> uh well we haven't well, i don't think we have we exactly. haven't had three weeks off exactly. but i think i feel like it's a good reason because i i imagine you're quite sleep deprived although you say he's actually sleeping quite well oh, do you so, know what he's a know. dream <laughs> he's an absolute dream right now which is really good he settled into life at home really well luckily swimming has prepared me for functioning on not too much sleep so i'm all good i imagine there's some people listening and thinking oh you lucky so-and-so like getting <laughs> yeah, three I or can. four hours oh. <laughs> oh long may it continue yeah. um so dan what's going to be coming up over the next few weeks then for propulsion swimming because the world of swimming is just about to go crazy yeah, well, it always does in the summer, doesn't it? We've had our British trials already for the World Championships, so we know who's going from a British point of view. Uh, as this episode goes live, we are already during uh, Aussie trials, so we will find out who's going to be representing Australia at the Japan World Championships as well. And then in two weeks' time, it's the US trials as well. Um, so we will review that as well, both of those meets. Um, and then, of course, the actual World Championships themselves, which is going to be a bit of a showdown based on how well some of these swimmers are swimming right now across the planet. Absolutely. I'm expecting world records to fall absolutely yeah. everywhere. And then, of course, we're going to be poolside at British Summer Champs, at English Summer Champs, as part of our partnership with Speedo, covering mm-hmm. those meets and bringing the age group feel to our Instagram feed and to social <laughs> media, YouTube. 
Um, I'm really excited for what's to come. So, Dan, that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. We're going to be back next week with another episode. And, yeah, over the next few weeks, there are some big guests, hopefully, we've got lined up and some Mm. big podcasts on the way. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do so on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And me and Dan will see you in seven days' time. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.